Good morning, Westgate. How's everybody doing? Are you ready to worship together? All right, let's stand up. I want to read from Psalm 113, and please just meditate on these words. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen? Amen. As we sing this song, just know that whatever season of life you're going through, God is still worthy of your praise. Amen? Yeah. 
God is good. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I want to welcome you this morning. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Rob Zimmerman. I'm the lead pastor here at Westgate and delighted that you have chosen to worship here with us today. We have got a lot of awesome things that are going on, a fantastic service that is planned in worship of our Lord. Uh, but before we continue diving into that, I've got uh, a couple of things I want to talk about. One is if you are a guest here, I want to welcome you to our service. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Uh, if you are thinking about uh, what are the best ways to get connected or plugged in here at Westgate, I want to tell you that the easiest way to begin that process is to grab the connection card that you see in the pew in front of you. And I actually encourage you to pull that out now. You can begin filling it out. And at the close of the service, uh, we have got some incredible hosts at our guest center out in the main entrance that would love the opportunity to answer any questions you might have about the church. But if you take that connection card to them, hand it to them, they will also return to you uh, a bag of goodies, uh, a couple of gifts inside that bag that, uh, just to say thank you for being here, but more importantly, some information about our ministries and how to get connected. And so would love for you to stop by at the close of our service and regular tenders as always, write your prayer requests on those connection cards as well. You can turn them in with the offering. We love the opportunity to pray for you uh, each week. Uh, now, as I mentioned, there's a lot that is going on today. One important item of business, if you will, is a reminder that we have a meeting of our membership immediately following this morning morning service. About seven minutes at the close of our service, we will have roughly a 10-minute meeting where we're going to be nominating people to our nominating committee who work uh, with the election, uh, helping to bring names together for the election of our elders and deacons for the next year. And so... I'd invite you, if you're a member, please hang around for just a few minutes. I promise the meeting will be painless and quick, hopefully. So uh, we would love for you to join us for that. But more importantly, some of the exciting things that we have going on today, we have got a baptism that I cannot wait for you to hear the testimony and story this morning of this couple uh, that's going to be baptized at the close of our service. And in just a moment, we are going to be having some child dedications. And so before we get to that, we have one short video that we'd like you to watch just to give you some uh, information about what is going on here at West. Westgate. Welcome to Westgate Chapel. We are so happy to have you with us today. My name is Adrian, and I'm on the worship team here at Westgate. Thanks for joining us. Westgate is part of the denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and being part of the Alliance means we are compelled to make Jesus known to all people in every segment of society across the globe. We want to be a Jesus-centered community, known for intentionally sharing God's love with our neighbors and the nations. One of the key times we as a church family gather and celebrate our commitment to missions is during our annual Missions Emphasis Week. Missions Emphasis Week officially kicks off next Sunday during both services and continues all week long. We'll be spending time with Steve and Christy Volstad and hearing updates from all our international workers. Wednesday will be our big mission celebration where our whole Westgate Church family will come together for a fun and interactive evening. Get details and learn more about all the week's events on our Westgate app or westgatechapel.org events. Thanks again for joining us. It's going to be a great morning of worshiping together. Enjoy the service. 
It is going to be a great morning of worshiping together, and we're going to continue in our worship with child dedications. And as they were coming up during the video, I was so thankful for the larger stage where I don't feel like we're going to fall into that tub any second. So uh, one of the things we're excited about, again, is these families uh, that are going to dedicate their children to the Lord this morning. And uh, Marlena, our kids ministry director, has been involved with them and some of her staff uh, in preparation for today. And so Marlena, would you uh, just share a little bit about what's been going Going on and introduce each of the couples. Sure. Yeah. Um, we have spent, I know last Sunday, Sarah Knox, our early childhood director, spent some time with each of these couples and really talk about what it means to dedicate. And the fact that when we are dedicating our children, it is not just um, because obviously we believe we don't believe in infant baptism, but what we do believe in is that we are telling the church and our children that we are going to be faithful to God to raise them up in what he has for us and to do our job of discipling them as they grow um, in all of the different ways, not only just spiritually, but physically, and that we as a church are going to come alongside you guys, and we're going to help give you tools, and we want to be there to do that with you. And so one thing that we asked them to do was not to just focus on, you know, we think about like, oh man, my child could be a doctor, a lawyer, or a plumber, whatever it might be, but to not think about what they're going to be, but who God is creating them to be. So we've asked each of them to talk about three to five traits or characters that they would love to see God develop in their child. So each of you, if you could just introduce yourselves, introduce your kids, and then share with us um, what those things that you would like for God to develop in your child. I'm Brian. This is my wife, Kara, and this is our, children, our kids, Lincoln, Nora, Winston, and McKenna. Uh, we just want to see them love Jesus and uh, dedicate their life to him and whatever that may be that God has for them. I'm Adrian, and this is my husband, Britton, our daughters, Olive and Oakley. We also uh, pray nightly that our girls would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we've been praying that Oakley would be strong, compassionate, faithful, courageous, and gracious. Um, my name's David Ward. This is my wife, Julianne. Um, she's, she works here. Um, and uh, this is our son, Leo. Um, and uh, uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, the wicked will flee when nobody is pursuing them, but the righteous will be bold like lions. And Leo's name means lion. And we, so we're praying that he'll be righteous, um, bold, humble, and kind. Hi, I'm Hope, and this is Alex, and this is Bo, and we pray that he would come to faith in Jesus at an early age and become bold, courageous, and discerning in his faith. That is awesome. Well, guys, I am so thankful that you've chosen to dedicate your children to the Lord today. And as Marlena told you guys, today really is about the commitment that you are making to the Lord this morning. Um, and uh, we are just so thankful that you are here making that commitment. I have a charge for you uh, this morning, believing that your children are a gift from God and that he will hold you accountable for them. Will you commit yourself to the purpose of dedicating your children to the Lord and to his service today? Will you pray with them and teach them to pray? Will you instruct them in God's word and be a faithful example of Christ to them?
Will you teach your children to read God's word and lead a life completely dedicated to God through Jesus Christ? And will you do everything within your power to provide for them an environment where they can come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? If you will do these things, please say, we will. Now, church family, would you also stand with us? One of the things whenever we have child dedication is that uh, we recognize the fact that one of the most important things that God has given us is a community of believers to connect into. And many of you will have the opportunity as part of this family to speak into the lives of these children. And so I have a charge for you as well. As family, friends, and as a church family, we also have a great responsibility to assist each of these families and what they have committed to this morning. Will you as family, friends, and church family commit to always representing Jesus Christ to their children? Will you commit to praying for them as God prompts you? And if given the opportunity, will you commit to supporting them by teaching their children about Jesus and hopes that one day they will respond and follow Christ with their whole life? If you will do these things, please say, we will. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather and worship you today. And Father, especially to worship you as these families come and dedicate their children to you. Lord, my deep prayer this morning is that for each of these parents that are here, is that God, you would give them everything that they possibly could need to raise their children to know and to love you. I pray, God, that you would take them to even deeper places in their walk with you, that the first impression that their children have of who Jesus is would come from the lives of their parents, that they would see the way that they were, would, are walking, and that they would hunger for that same relationship with the Lord. And God, I pray as well that as these parents commit themselves to do everything they can to provide an environment for their children to know you, that, Lord, you would bring their children to the saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, from a very young age. I pray that you would even now begin developing within them the giftedness that you are going to use in their lives as they serve you with their whole heart, but also go out to share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, because of your goodness and your love for us, and because of the call that you have placed on our lives, we dedicate these children to you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We bless you, Lord, and we bless your name. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, would you congratulate each one of these families this morning? And. Uh, as they are exiting, we have got uh, a quilt for each of your families and uh, over here on this side. And so as you head over there and grab that gift again, congratulations this morning, church family. Take just a moment to turn and greet someone you haven't said hello to yet this morning.
come back to our time of worship, if you find your way back to your seats, still stay standing with us. We're going to enter into our time of uh, musical worship of the Lord. But if you were with us last week, you'll remember as we were talking about our five-year vision as a church, we talked about having a broad reach and specifically about neighboring and asking ourselves the question, who is it that God has placed in my circle that he desires for me to share the love of Jesus with. And we told you last week that coming up in just a few short weeks, I believe it's October 15th through the 22nd, if I got my dates right, that we're gonna have a week where we're gonna encourage our entire church to think about who is it that you could take out to dinner or do something kind for, or that you could invite to church, something to neighbor with them. We want to do that that week together as a whole church body and encourage that and see what God will do as he moves through our efforts to share the love of Jesus with the people he's placed in our circles. But we asked you this week to take time to pray and to ask God, who is that one person or two people that God has put in my life that I know he wants me to share? And we want you to respond this morning. Off to the side, as you think about who that person or those people are, over here with uh, David and Julianne and little Leo, we have got small stickers and a huge map of the Toledo area. If you know who that person is, we would love for you during this time of musical worship to come up and as a response to write the initials of that individual on a sticker and then place where they live on the map. And we want to use this as a way for us as a church to continually be praying about what God is doing and be praying over you as you are seeking to share the love of Jesus with your neighbors. As well, we have a light bulb that's up here that looks like this. The Bible tells us that we are the light of the world and that we shouldn't hide our light, but let it shine brightly. We'd encourage you to grab one of these and a small piece of paper that goes with it. You can take the lids off, but to write the name of that individual and to put it inside and take it home and put it in a place where you'll see it that God would continually be reminding you of the light that you have to shine with those individuals he has placed in your life, that you would be praying for them and looking for that opportunity to share Jesus' love. So as we sing together in worship, let's also worship in response today.
God is good. Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you, God, that you have uh, blessed us in so many different ways. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, the very reason that we gather here today to worship you. And Lord, as we come, whether we worship you in song, whether it is through your word, the testimonies that will be shared later in this service, all of it together, God, we pray would rise before you as a fragrant offering, bringing glory to you because, Father, we're expressing our heart and our desire and our need and our love for you. And Father, as we worship you in all of these ways, we also recognize, God, that as we come to this time of taking our morning offering, that God, everything we have truly does come from you. And there's no greater joy that we can have than joining you in the work that you are doing in this world of taking the good news of your son to those who don't know you. God, we pray that as we collect our offering this morning, that Lord, you would multiply it. And that Father, in your multiplication, you would multiply the number of lives of people who are coming to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, in our neighborhoods, in our community, surrounding the church, and truly God, to the edges of the earth. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you, God, and what you are doing to bring people to your son. We pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and if you are here in the middle aisle, you can take the offering buckets, and as a spirit of worship, let's continue to pass those out as we collect our offering this morning. If you have been with us over the past few weeks, you know that we have been in our series uh, together, uh, going through uh, our Deep Roots Broad Reach series, which is part of our five-year vision as a church. And as we enter into the second year, we have been uh, going through this so that we can again ground our hearts and minds into the things that God is calling us to as his church. And two weeks ago, we began by talking about what it means to have deep roots in Christ, that as a church, we want to be growing deeper roots in the way that we abide with Christ, but also recognizing that that means that we're also growing deeper roots in community with each other because we recognize that the church, the community that he has given us is part of his design to continue to grow us deeper in our faith and knowledge of him. And as a church, we're striving to be a church of life groups where people are getting connected, doing life together, and challenging and encouraging each other to continue to grow deeper. Last week, we dove into the beginning of our section talking about what it means to have a broad reach as a church, recognizing that as we grow deeper roots in Christ, we also become even more passionate about the mission that he has called us to, and the natural result of that will be a broad reach for the gospel. And we started talking about neighboring and what it means to neighbor. Obviously, we had this uh, exercise, and it just does my heart well to see this morning the number of people that are represented on 
on that map that you are praying for and looking for opportunity to share the love of Jesus with. This is what Jesus has called us to, is to reach people in our circles and in our community. As a church, we're striving to do that as well. As we mentioned, we, we kicked off this past week uh, a new ministry here at the church called Mom Life, uh, a ministry to uh, moms of, of uh, young children birth to uh, preschool. And uh, it was exciting to see that ministry get kicked off this past week. I believe we had about 35 moms that showed up for that ministry and many more that are talking about coming and joining us. But it was encouraging to see the importance of this community coming together. But I think what was most encouraging to me was to hear about the people who came that aren't connected to Westgate already and are coming and want to get involved in this community. Because not only will they find a, a community to connect with for the stage of life they're walking through, but also have the opportunity to explore their own relationship with Jesus Christ. So super exciting stuff. And as you continue to neighbor and to look and see who God has placed in your lives, you're going to get to hear an awesome story and testimony this morning of how that same thing has resulted in two people coming to salvation in Christ that are going to be baptized at the close of our service. But with that, we also, when we talk about having a broad reach, are not just talking about reaching our local neighbors, but also when we talk about a broad reach, we're talking about the call that Christ has placed on us to be those who are passionate about reaching the nations with the gospel. And I want you to hear this morning, I'm going to give you from my own heart the most impassioned plea that I possibly can, that you would have a value for lost people around the globe. But I have three opening thoughts I want to share with you as we enter in. The first thing, if you have your sermon notes and you're following along, is this. Letter A. We must be zealous. Make no mistake about it. We must be zealous about making disciples in the Toledo area. A passion that has long sat on my heart is that if the church, Westgate Chapel, were to disappear from this community tomorrow, would the community even notice? My hope and my prayer is that we are so ingrained in the community that surrounds us, sharing the love of Jesus with them, that if this church were to disappear tomorrow, is that they would feel an incredible void, that something is missing. There are literally thousands of people in our community that we are connected with personally or that live directly around this building who don't know Christ. And we must be zealous to make sure that we are sharing the good news of Jesus with them. But letter B, where I want to head this morning is this, is that global missions is tragically neglected in the church at large today. For many Christians around the world, global missions isn't even a thing that is on their radar. A number of years ago, I was having a conversation with a group of people back when I first came to Westgate about the upcoming missions conference that we now call Missions Emphasis Week, and it'll be happening next week. But I was having a conversation with a number of people about the missions conference that was coming up, and it surprised me to recognize that their exclamation was, oh, great, those are the two weeks that I always miss. Like, what it revealed to me in the conversation was that there was this feeling that this did not apply to them. The attitude was global missions. It doesn't speak to me. That's somebody else's job. I'm going to do something else those weeks. Can I tell you something? There is nothing that breaks my heart more to think that that might possibly be the attitude of so many people that sit in the church today. But what is it that could be the cause of this type of mindset? That we would think that the very thing that Christ came and died for so that the world would know him would be something that we don't participate in. What would be the cause of this type of mindset? Well, I looked at some different statistics that the Barna Group did over the last couple of years. 
Statistics like roughly 50% of Christians struggle to find time to pray and or read their Bible. And if that is true, then maybe it's no wonder if we are not digging ourselves into God's word and talking to him on a regular basis, aligning our hearts with him, it should be no surprise that we're not aligned to the mission that he has called us to. The other statistics say that only 17% of churchgoers have actually heard of the Great Commission and know what it refers to. Now, that's shocking. If that's true, that means a large number of people in this room. When I say the Great Commission, you go, maybe I've heard of it, but I'm not sure exactly what that means. Statistics say that one-third of Christians don't believe that they have a responsibility to share the gospel. And 30% believe that evangelism is the duty of the local church. Combined, when you look at these different statistics about the Christian world today in America— maybe you begin to get a little bit closer picture of what could cause the type of mindset that causes us to believe that global missions is not our duty, responsibility, or privilege to be a part of. Because while we wrestle in the church with whether or not this is our responsibility, the truth is is that there are 3 billion people in this world represented in 4,000 different people groups around the world today that are classified as unreached. Now, when I say unreached, I'm not talking about like your neighbor next door who doesn't know Jesus. You see, when I talk about unreached people, what I'm talking about is people, not that just haven't accepted Jesus, but people who have no access to the gospel. I don't know about you, but from the time when I was young, I have always had access to the gospel. The Bible was literally everywhere. It was in my home. It was in our churches. The Ten Commandments were on the wall of the school for a time. It was in every single hotel I ever walked into as I opened it up and look, there's a Bible. It was everywhere. But there are many places in this world today that don't have that access. I can remember at our international Thanksgiving dinner a number of years ago, a young lady sat in this very back corner seat. And as she sat there, she had just gotten off a plane from Iran and was rifling through one of the Bibles from our pews. She spoke no English, read no English, but she came from a place where she had no access to the gospel. And it was everything within her that she just wanted to know what was in it. There was this hunger and desire to understand who is this Jesus? What is this Christian life and this Christian faith? You see, when we talk about unreached peoples, we're talking about people who will live and die without ever having had access to the gospel or having heard of the gospel if someone doesn't come and tell them. And church, let her see, this must change. And the church must be awakened to the call that God has placed on our lives to share the good news globally. Some people would argue that this is a problem for missions organizations to address. But what we actually fail to realize is that this is a problem that's roots sink deep down into the heart of every single Christian. And if the problem is going to be addressed, it has to begin in our own individual hearts, in our own individual lives. Should we ask ourselves the question, would we be willing to press our ears into God's word closely? To listen to Jesus tell us and call us to join him in his mission of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and saving sinners from wretched destruction. Would we actually look at Paul's mobilization of the early church through much blood and sweat and tears and say, that was for him, not for me? Would we look into the face of the crucified Christ and tell him that we are too busy and have too many better options than to worry about lost people around the globe? That's someone else's job. But if it's always someone else's job, 
no one will hear. And so as we think about how the church today is tragically neglecting global missions, I want us to wrestle with the question, what is it then that will fuel the church's passion again for reaching the nations? What is it that will bring us to a place where our hearts are emblazoned with a desire to see unreached people around the globe hear the good news of the gospel? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Now, this is not the normal passage you go to for a missions challenge, right? You guys are like, isn't he going to the Great Commission? He's going to really tell us what it means, or is he going to go to Acts 1-8? No, no, not this morning. I want us to take a little bit different route there, and I can think of no better passage than Revelation chapter 5. I've adapted this message from probably one of the most powerful messages I personally have ever heard in my life on global missions, one that has pricked my own heart to understand the call that God has placed on my life to be a part of taking the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And my prayer this morning is that God would do the same for all of us as we consider what will fuel that passion within us. And as you're following along in your notes, I want you to understand that the fuel behind reaching the nations with the gospel truly flows from our understanding of the sovereignty of God. I want us to begin in this place together as we look at this passage. The fuel behind reaching the nations with the gospel will flow from our understanding of the sovereignty of God. Now, what do we mean in the church when we talk about the sovereignty of God? The word sovereign is a title that is applied to the highest leader in any various categories. We often think of this, uh, of this term in our culture as a supreme ruler or a monarch that rules over a nation. The sovereign, the king the monarch, the, the president, if you will, prime minister who rules over a nation. It's the person who holds the supreme or highest power and authority. That person is the sovereign. And what we're talking about here now then is that the fuel behind reaching the nations with the gospel flows from our understanding of God's sovereignty or his supreme power, highest power and authority over all things. And we're going to see God's sovereignty on full display together in this passage. We read with me from Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 9. It says this, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And so I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went out and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and every people and nation. 
This morning, as we consider this passage together, I want to highlight for you three theological truths that emanate from this text. And the first one is this, is that, the, it's that God's, God sovereignly holds the destiny of the world in his hand. God sovereignly holds the destiny of the world in his hand. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 started, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written and on the back sealed with seven seals. And what is the scroll that was in the right hand of God? What we understand as we read beyond chapter 5 in the book of Revelation is that this scroll contains all of God's foreordained plans for the future. The, it includes the course of history leading up to the end of the world and the consummation of God's plan of, for his kingdom. It contains God's sovereign will for all of creation and ultimate redemption. It contains God's sovereign decree for the future glorification of believers, but also the damnation of unbelievers. And it says that all of it is in the hand of God. Now, if you look back at the last verse of chapter 4, it makes this abundantly clear. When it says this, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were not and were created. You know what this passage tells me? It tells me that the sun radiates its heat at the command of God. It tells me that the rain falls upon the earth as it is determined by the one who created it. It tells me that the wind blows at the bidding of God, that the stars come out because he calls each of them by name. There isn't a speck of dust or anything that crawls along this planet that is not apart from the sovereignty of God. It tells us that he is sovereign all nature, but also that he is sovereign over all nations. The Bible tells us that he charts the very course of countries. There isn't a leader in this world that holds their position of power outside of the sovereign hand of God. And can somebody say amen? That is good news. It is good news that no, not Vladimir Putin in Russia, the supreme leader, the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran, Xi Jinping in China, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or any other crazy politician in the American landscape, our God is sovereign over every single one of them and holds them in the palm of his hand. He has total control. And here's what's crazy. Most of the preaching on the Great Commission in our churches today makes it sound like God is less than sovereign. Pastors try desperately to guilt their congregations into having a passion for global missions, sharing horrible statistics of the state of the church, reminding you of the number of people who will be damned to hell if they don't uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you don't go share with them, trying to make you feel like you're a bad Christian. But here's the problem in the process. When this is the way that we preach and teach what we do is we make it sound like God couldn't possibly pull this off without us. And we think that somehow he needs us. I want you to consider the words this morning of A.W. Tozer, who years ago said this, probably the hardest thought of all our natural egotism to entertain is that God does not need our help. We commonly represent him as a busy, eager, somewhat frustrated father hurrying about seeking help to carry out his benevolent plan to bring peace and salvation to the world. Too many missionary appeals are based upon this fancied frustration of Almighty God. 
An effective speaker can easily excite pity in his listeners, not only for the heathen, but for God, who has tried so hard and so long to save them, but has failed for lack of support. I fear that thousands of young persons entering Christian service from no higher motive than to help God deliver, uh, to help deliver God from the embarrassing situation his love has gotten him into and his limited abilities seem unable to get him out of. Those are some harsh words. Can I make one point abundantly clear to you though this morning? It goes against most common thinking in the church today, but it is vitally important to begin the process of stoking our hearts for the global mission that God has for us. God does not need you. God does not need you. He does not need me. He does not need Westgate Chapel, Five Lakes, Church 321, Monclova Baptist, Cedar Creek, Willow Creek. He doesn't need Saddleback Church in California. He doesn't need missions organizations. He doesn't need crew. He doesn't need uh, the pioneers. He doesn't need YWAM. He doesn't even need the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Can I say that here? All of us, all of them could drop dead tomorrow from the very face of the earth, and God would still make his name known great among every people, tribe, language, and nation to the very ends of the earth. God involves us in his mission, not because he needs us, because he loves us. And he lovingly invites us to participate with him in his sovereign plan for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. My friends, if we are going to stoke a passion in our hearts for global missions, it must begin with an understanding that our sovereign God holds the destiny of the world in the palm of his hand, which tells us that the one who is all-powerful doesn't need us. He wants us, and he lovingly invites us into his plan. As well, a second theological point that we see emanating from this text letter B is this, is that the state of man before God apart from Christ is completely hopeless. In Revelation chapter 5 verses 2 through 4 it says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. It was David Platt who said these words that it is the silence of heaven in this exact moment that reveals just how hopeless our condition is in this world. When the angel called out asking who is worthy to open the scroll, the scroll that holds the grand purpose of God and his plan of redemption, that details the eradication of evil and the defeat of death, that tells us of the removal of pain, brokenness, loneliness, and sorrow, the end of hunger, disease, sickness, natural disasters, hatred, and war, the scroll that holds the plan for the salvation of all men and women, that details the creation of a new heaven and a new earth, a place where we will reign with God forever and ever. When the angel called out asking who is worthy to open the scroll, silence. And in the silence, it testified to the sinfulness of man. So that there was no one worthy, no human being that ever walked the earth, nor angelic being in the heavens. And this caused John to weep loudly as he considered the consequences of sinful man and his judgment before holy God. 
and he had no hope. You see, because the Bible tells us that apart from Christ, that there is no one that is righteous, Romans 3.10. And that because of our sin, all of us are cut off from God, Colossians 1.21. That we stand in condemnation because of our sin, Romans 5.12. That we are literally slaves to sin and the evil one, John 8.34 and Romans 6.20. That we are the objects of God's wrath because of our sin, Ephesians 2, 3. And that we are destined to eternal separation from God in conscious torment of hell, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. But what I want you to catch is that not only is this the destiny of 3 billion people from around the globe in 4,000 different people groups, but it was your destiny before you were told about Christ. And gave your life to him. The state of man before God apart from Christ is completely and utterly hopeless. But let her see. The greatest news that the world has ever heard is that the slaughtered lamb of God reigns as the sovereign Lord over all. Revelation chapter 5 verses 5 through 9 tells us that one of the elders said to me, weep no more. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation what does this tell us it tells us that in the midst of our hopeless state that God so loved the world that he sent his son into this world to die on a cross for our sin to pay our penalty for our sin so that if we would place our faith and trust in him that we would have eternal life and be completely restored in our relationship with God Jesus Christ is the son of God who came into the world the lamb that was slain that gave his life and allowed his blood to be shed so that we could be restored in a right relationship with God. He alone is the one that is worthy to open the scroll, the one who controls all the future events, who holds everything in his hand and holds the plan of salvation for all of mankind. And he invites us in. What is it then that fuels our passion for reaching the nations? I hope you catch this this morning. If you catch nothing else, what fuels our passion for reaching the nations is not guilt. It is the glory of God. It is the very glory of God. As we begin to recognize the beauty of the gift that was given us in Jesus Christ and what he did to die on a cross for our sin, we recognize how gloriously wonderful that gift of grace was. And we participate in his mission to spread the news of the gospel to the ends of the earth, not because we feel guilty, but because we love God's glory and want to make his name great. It is because God is worth it. 
Jesus told his disciple, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. Reaching the whole world means going to hard places. There are more than 4,000 people groups that have not heard of the good news. That's three billion people living in darkness and without hope. Our calling as the Alliance is to go to these least reached people. The majority of the Alliance workers are in these remaining hard places, locations that are often hard to get to, where deep-rooted cultures are resistant to the gospel, places where ministry could carry the risk of imprisonment, deportation, or bodily harm, and even in locations that look easier economically or socially. Our workers are still doing very challenging ministry. We choose these places on purpose because they are in need of Jesus' presence. In 2004, my husband and I followed God's leading and moved to a hard place overseas. We faced constant obstacle and discouragement. And at one point, I broke down and cried out, I can't take this anymore. I want to go home. Nothing could be worth all this. As I collapsed in tears, I heard the Holy Spirit whispered, Jesus is worth it. He is worth it all. And because Jesus is worth it, the unreached people he loves are worth it. It's only because Jesus commanded that we go and make disciples of all nations that the gospel reached us. Now it is our turn. This will require greater partnership with the Global Alliance family. It will require us to equip and send workers from diverse backgrounds. This calling is going to take all of us working together as an alliance. The task of reaching the unreached is hard, but he is worth it all. Alliance family, would you join me in praying that God would open doors to hard places? Pray that he will call more workers to the harvest field. Give to the Great Commission Fund so that we can expand our work to even more hard places. Will we do our part? Will we be the generation to complete the Great Commission and take the good news to hard places? As we approach our mission's emphasis week, this coming next Sunday and the following week, I want to exhort you, church family, to come and to engage deeply with us as we talk about how we as a church, but also connected to the greater Christian Missionary Alliance family, are striving to reach people in the hard places, the places where people have no access to the gospel and need desperately to hear, for if they never hear, they will die and spend eternity separated from God. What is it that can drive a growing passion in our hearts? I will try desperately as your pastor not to do it through guilt, but to continue to lift up and to exalt the name of Jesus and all that he has done for us, that our decision to have a passion for reaching lost people around the globe will be because we recognize that he is worth it, and that if other people had not gone from the comfort of their places and their homes to spread the good news of the gospel, we ourselves never would have heard. I want to give you four essential responses this morning, I believe, to this call in ways that we can be involved so easily uh, 
in the global call of taking the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. The first thing is this. I want to challenge you to pray fervently. As was mentioned here in the video just a moment ago, pray fervently for lost people. Pray fervently for people groups where they have no access to the gospel. Pray fervently for the missionaries and the international workers that are sent. Pray fervently and ask God what role he would have you to play in taking the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is the simplest act that we can participate in, and yet it is often the one that is most neglected, I fear, because it is often off of our radar. But would you in prayer allow God to develop within you a heart for the nations because of what he has done for you? Secondly, another way to be involved is by welcoming people purposefully. If you've been around Westgate for some time, you know that we have an incredible opportunity to have an impact in our community with people from all over the world. As internationals come from around the world to study here in Toledo, there is an incredible ministry where so many people that are coming here, are living in countries where they have no access to the gospel, come here for the first time and have that opportunity. We partner with people like Global... Uh, uh, oh, I just lost it. Global Operations with Water for Ishmael. Um, and we have ministries like Conversation Partners where we can be paired up with people to help teach them English. A hospitality ministry where we can bring people into our home and walk into uh, and allow them to join us in our lives. We have things like our International Thanksgiving Dinner where the easiest step to get involved is just to be a table host and begin to develop relationships so that you can share the love of Jesus with the nations as God brings them here to our city. We can pray fervently. We can welcome purposely. Number three, we can also give sacrificially. We live in a nation where we are so blessed with abundance. Even at times when we feel we don't have much, we have more than most of the rest of the world. And if you were to look at statistics, it shows that very few people use the resources that God has given them for the global move of the gospel. Would you prayerfully consider and ask God how he would have you to take what he has provided, even with the smallest amounts, to say, God, how could I also provide resources for the spread of the gospel? We've put in your worship guide this morning, uh, you know that the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance has something called the Great Commission Fund that we use to support all of the 700 plus international workers we have around the globe. And I want to encourage you and tell you, you know, as a church, we have typically given around $400,000 a year as a church family, something that I love. But can I tell you that I know that two things are true. One is we could do easily so much more. But number two, in the coming years, if we don't continue to allow God to work in this area of our heart, that number will drop. And the amount of resources going to reach those around the globe will, will have an impact. Would you prayerfully consider if God would have you to partner financially with those resources that he has given to you. Finally, number four, you have the opportunity to also go intentionally. One of the things that I love about Westgate Chapel is that we have a passion for helping people to develop within their hearts uh, a vision for being a part of God's global work. It begins with short-term missions. For me, short-term missions was one of the most foundational things that changed and transformed my own heart because as I went and I saw how the rest of the world lives and I saw how many people there were that didn't have Christ, it caused a passion within me to go and to share. As I went on short-term trips and took students for years to 
places like Mexico or even to Cambodia. As a church, we support short-term work in Germany with Ben and Sarah Carey. You'll see a couple of pictures up here of our team that just recently went and returned and the opportunity that they had to go. We also have a partnership with Costa Rica, a new partnership with Incalink in Costa Rica, and we had our students go on a trip, and they've come back, and what I love is to hear the vision that God is placing in so many of their own hearts to go and to be a part. One of the things we want to develop with this specific site, though, also is the opportunity for families, for families, for singles, young, for old, for everybody in our church to be a part of the spread of the gospel here in Costa Rica. We're even going to be sending a young adult team this January. And if you're a young adult here in the church and have a desire to be a part of that, talk to Pastor Dan. Check with him after the service. He's going to be leading that trip. You can go to our website uh, and events page and find more information. But short-term trips have the capacity to help us to gain a greater vision for God's call to go. But the next step is also to have midterm trips. We have people like Josh Cook who is serving somewhere on the other side of the planet, which we won't say, in a war-torn country where he is sharing the good news of the gospel, searching out whether or not God would be calling him to a life of missions. People like Paul and Lydia Eriks, who are also serving in Germany with Ben and Sarah Carey, literally left everything behind this past summer to spend the summer there inspecting and asking God, God, would you be calling us to a life of following you in missions. More recently, which I'm excited about, Luke and Maddie Hadid, who have accepted God's call on their heart to kind of pick up uproot and in March are going to go to Costa Rica and intern there for at least, I think, a minimum of six months serving with Incalink and in, in, in uh, that, that section of Costa Rica. We have an opportunity as a church to be able to support them, to be able to, to help them to search out what God's call on their life is for ministry. But what I want you to understand is that opportunity is also available to you. And I would encourage you to find a way to be involved and to ask and give yourself opportunity to say, God, would you have me to be a part of this? Because the last thing is we can also go intentionally long-term. And this is something that is often neglected even more so in the world that we live in today. I have been deeply convicted as we have wanted to start a residency program here at the church, and we have been searching for uh, various different people that are interested in going and, and helping to train them up, that one of the things that I have not done well over the years is to look at you and say, are you so submitted to Christ and to his call on your life that you would be willing to open up your arms to him and say, God, would you send me? Is it possible that in the stage of life that I'm in, whether I'm young or old, that God, you're calling me to a life of serving you overseas so more people could hear the gospel? As we go through this next week together, as we move into our missions emphasis week, would you be willing to pray and say, God, what do you have for me? Is it to begin praying fervently, welcoming, purposefully, giving sacrificially, or going intentionally? But my hope is that all of it flows from this one place is our understanding of our sovereign God who holds all things in his hands, who has saved us from our hopeless state through the death and resurrection of his son. And we will join him and be passionate about his mission to save people all around the globe because Jesus is worth it. Would you pray with me? God, I praise your name this morning and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you are a God that is in control of all things. And I thank you for that hard truth that you don't need us. If we all disappeared tomorrow from the face of this planet, 
you would still reach every single person. You have a heart and a passion for lost people. And God, my prayer for us as a church is that you would stoke within our hearts because of who you are and what you have done for us. You would stoke in us a passion as well for that same mission, not just here in our local community, but truly to the ends of the earth. Reveal to us, God, how you desire for us to participate with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, and let every voice 
I'm excited to share with you is that Zach and Jenna, I think it's over the last month and a half, two months, you guys have just recently put your faith in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And so we're very excited about that and uh, have an awesome, awesome story to share with us about how God has been using them, but also just the connection to how God has used people even here in our church to uh, be available as you guys begin this journey with Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to share just a little bit of your story and testimony of what it is that led to you accepting Jesus. Good morning, everybody. There's a lot more people than this morning. <laughs> um, so uh, I was raised in a church, young kid, uh, Veggie Tales, could sing every word of every song. Um, and then throughout life, because of curiosity and because of society and just pure selfishness, um, I walked away from God. Um, and then, uh, you know, becoming a father, becoming a husband, um, God knocking on my door every single day, I found him again. Um, 
I'm not going to take from my wife's testimony, but, you know, throughout my life, uh, I justified my sin, uh, finding religions that fit my sin, but always having that hunger for uh, a higher power, knowing during that time that it was wrong, but it justified my sin. It justified, justified the things that uh, I wanted for myself and my flesh. And in that time away from God, I fought depression, rage, um, addiction, and uh, even in even while denying God, denying Jesus Christ, He had His hand on my shoulder and He blessed. He gave me so many blessings in my life and kept reminding me why I should go back to Him. And I always found a way to deny Him. And um, becoming a father, becoming a husband, and you know having people like Mike Behan uh, in this church being my lieutenant and every day just in the little ways dropping it to me having conversations where um turned into theological arguments and mike was always steadfast and um just so ready and you know our daughter um i'm not gonna take that from my wife's testimony so i'll let her do that part but um yeah we're uh I'm so excited to have Jesus in our lives. And I'll let Jenna take over. Thanks. Um, so for me personally, I, my entire adult life, I have denied God and existence of a God. I rejected it, um, even mocked those who did believe. And for me, it... Um, took having our first daughter and receiving a Down syndrome, Down syndrome diagnosis with the news that she had a hole in her heart and she would need surgery at about six months old. And so that moment in the hospital where the surgical team came and took her, all 11 pounds of her from me to operate on her for eight hours, it was a drop to your knees, throw your hands in the air kind of moment. Um, you know, if you can hear me, here I am. And it really just spoke the volume of God's grace and love that even though I had ignored and rejected and denied him, he was ready for me when I was ready for him. And he has just shown up time and time again for our daughter and our family in general. And um, for me, it kind of came full circle. This summer, we kind of reached out to the Behans and uh, Jen bought me my very first Bible and met with me. and. We came to service here actually almost two months ago to the day, and about a week after that service, a picture popped up in my Snapchat memories, and it was a picture of me with my dog, and I was crying, and I know from the date, it was the date that uh, we got our daughter's diagnosis, and I thought it was ironic. First of all, why would I take a selfie in that moment? Um, but it was, I think it was God working, and, and I can see three years ago that photo to me standing here in a tub talking to a bunch of people I don't know about um, God's love and how he sought me after I ignored him, and his mind is always on us, even if ours is not on his, him, and um, so that's pretty much the full circle for us, and so here we are. That's awesome. Praise God. 
It has been uh, so cool to hear and get to be a part of just hearing your story and how God has been working and bringing both of you. I love how God has brought this to to remind all of us, you included, that he brings people into our lives every single day that we have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with, whether it's with words or actions, and that it speaks volumes and he can use it to bring people to a saving knowledge of his son. And so we're excited to celebrate your baptism and your professions of faith to the Lord today. I'm gonna have you go to the side here for just a minute, Zach, and uh, we're gonna begin here. So Jenna, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior. And is it your desire to be baptized today? Today is a testimony of the work that he has done in your life. Then because of that testimony, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Zach, we're going to empty this tank together. I love it. Thanks for protecting that. That's good. Uh, Zach, uh, so cool to hear your story. Man, I was so encouraged when you told me that seven years you and Mike were having conversations and it's cool to see how Jesus has been pursuing you. You've placed your faith in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Is it your desire to be baptized today as a testimony to everyone of the work that he has done in your life? Then it's my privilege today to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I... uh, Can I pray for you guys real quick? Lord, thank you so much for Zach and Jenna. And thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in their lives, how you have been actively pursuing them for so long. From before they were born, you have had a plan for their life. And thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part of seeing what you are doing. Help them as they continue to grow in their faith and their trust in you. Take them to deeper places in their walk with you. But even more important, use their testimony, Lord, that other people would come to know your son as well. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, church family, is uh, as we close our service today, I hope that that is an encouragement to you. An encouragement that as you go out from here today, that you would go and share the good news of Jesus with all that he has placed in your circles. As we close our service, I want you to know that our prayer room is available. John DeMarco, one of our elders, is over here on the side. Would love the opportunity to pray with you if you have needs this morning. As well, I'll remind you that in just a few minutes, we're going to have a meeting of our membership here in this room. And if you can hang around for just a couple minutes, I'm going to get changed and run right back. But um, we're going to have that meeting. But that being said, church family, go serve the Lord and look for those opportunities to be the light of Christ this week. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.